Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Scuderia F1, the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One racing. Mark Daly here, flying solo for this episode. Unfortunately, my my friend and partner and co-host, Kevin Laramay, is away this week. Kevin needed some time in the simulator to get ready for the next race in Spain in a couple of weeks' time. And, uh, well, we hope that he's all up to speed and back uh, with us very soon. And I'm going to do my very, very best to try and keep this thing going and not to put it into the barrier in the next 15 to 20 minutes or even half an hour. I haven't really set a time limit to, to do the program this week so let's just see how I do on my own here and uh, well if I start to ramble a little bit then you know please forgive me I don't have uh, <laughs> I don't have a co-host this week obviously to keep me in check and keep me focused well wow what a race that was the other night in uh, Baku at uh, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix Valtteri Bottas my goodness do you not feel sorry for Valtteri Bottas Played it smart the entire race, kept his nose clean, didn't really see a whole lot of Altieri. Obviously, he spent a, a vast majority of the race in a second position behind uh, Sebastian Vettel and then inherited the lead, which was, uh, I, I think, uh, some good work and a good uh, strategy from Mercedes, only to be robbed of a victory a couple of laps from the end after picking up a, a puncture on that very, very long start finish straight at Baku. Now before we talk about the race itself and uh, some of the other news that's making its way around the F1 paddock today, there is a rumor going around that uh, was came out uh, via Ziggo Sports in the Netherlands and it's being reported by Jack Ploy that perhaps just perhaps we have witnessed the very, very last Azerbaijan Grand Prix at Baku. And it sounds like, and this of course still has to be confirmed, that perhaps and just perhaps we will see another US-based Grand Prix in 2019 and beyond in, well, let's just wait for it. Did anybody guess Miami? Well, if you guess Miami, perhaps that might be another uh, another new race to look forward to or not, depending <laughs> on how that plays out and depending what the circuit may be, if it's going to be a street circuit somewhat similar to, to Baku, which, you know, honestly, guys, if uh, Baku is in fact going to be dropped uh, from the F1 calendar for 2019 and beyond, 
I'm going to be a little bit disappointed, uh, honestly. The, the, the first year, two years ago in 2016, was a little bit, well, it was new for everyone, right? I mean, the, the, the track didn't really look all that exciting, but the, the it's become very unpredictable. I mean, it, it doesn't really have very many spectators, uh, I mean, compared to, to some of the more well-attended Grand Prix around the world. I mean, it really is <laughs> a friends and family event, and which is kind of ironic when you think about it. I mean, it's right in the the heart of a, a very large city, and uh, there there aren't really all that many grandstands. But over the past couple of years, it has really, really grown on me. I mean, last year was one of the most interesting races of the entire year. Obviously, uh, we have seen over the past three years at uh, at Baku that safety cars. It's just going to happen at some point or another. Somebody's going to put it into the wall. There's going to be some sort of accident, and they're going to have to slow the field down, clean up, get the track back to a to a safe condition. And it was very much the same thing again this uh, the, this past weekend. However, the, uh, the the race promoter, the organizer, he's come out and said a couple things over the weekend, which kind of doesn't I wouldn't say it really fans the fire, but doesn't really give any confidence to to people who would like to see the race stay at Baku City. Uh, he basically said that uh, that they have uh, no plans, they haven't re-upped for anything beyond 2020. So, well, there you go. I mean, it was a four or five years, obviously, by, by, by that count. And then the other thing that uh, he was saying is that, uh, it, well, it almost kind of sounded like he was talking about beyond this sort of uh, four to five years that they... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, were given the contract to host a Grand Prix. It sounded like beyond that, if they were to host it beyond 2020, it was almost like the law of diminishing returns. He thought that if you're going to make any money or make any profit, it would be in the first three to four years. And then uh, beyond that, it was almost uh, using the uh, the publicity and the, well, I wouldn't say notoriety, I think publicity is the best word, of uh, having a, a Grand Prix in that city to to do to boost uh, tourism to get the city more visible. So we'll wait and see. the uh, the The rumor does say that uh, the the pit facilities have been sold to to a race organizer in Miami. So who knows? Perhaps they will be racing on the the sunny shores and streets of uh, South Beach come twenty nineteen. But how about that? Uh, I was just talking just now about poor Valtteri Bottas. But even uh, before that, what an interesting <laughs> qualifying session we had there. Uh, of course, uh, Sebastian Vettel, once again, uh, he gets the, uh, the the pole position. And unfortunately, he didn't really have any backup from his teammate Kimi Raikkonen, who kind of blew it there on his last hot lap in uh, in Q3, ended up uh, qualifying all the way back in sixth position next to Max Verstappen in, uh, on, on roll, row number three, leaving Sebastian to fend off the duo, the mighty Mercedes duo of Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. And, you know, full disclosure here, uh, <laughs> being in Canada, being on the west coast of North America, a race that is going live in a place like Baku, which is in uh, mid, I guess, uh, well, not quite the Middle East, but uh, the the very extremities of Europe kind of pushes the envelope uh, time-wise, uh, time zone-wise, I guess you could say, for the, uh, the uh, I guess... A, a decent hour that I'm willing to get up on <laughs> first thing on a Sunday morning to to watch a Grand Prix. I think it was on, I think about 5 a.m. in the morning here, which, you know, honestly, guys, 
I ain't getting out of bed for anything at 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning, even Formula One. I'll wait a little bit later and watch it uh, after I've recorded it on the DVR with a cup of coffee, have my breakfast, sit there, relax, get my timing app open, and uh, just sit down and enjoy it. But, you know, maybe just a little tangent aside, I could even do that right away because when I went down a little bit later on in the morning, I was cursing myself for being too darn lazy, not getting up when the race was on live. I found out that my DVR had in fact not recorded the the, the race and I had to, uh, to wait several more hours until uh, Sunday night, in fact, before the, uh, the race was made available on demand via TSN, the sports network up here in Canada. So by the time it was uh, ready to go, unfortunately, I'd already seen that Lewis Hamilton won the Grand Prix via a Facebook post and I was a little bit angry uh, with myself because whenever there's a situation like that and I'm not able to watch the race live or watch it uh, whenever I want to, I do my very best to stay away from Twitter, stay away from Facebook, stay away from Instagram, stay just basically stay away from the internet and then my iPhone 8 just becomes a phone and you know honestly what fun is that <laughs> anyhow that uh, that that is my little uh, story of uh, misfortune but compared to some of the other guys that we saw during the race not really a lot to, to complain about but it was a, a fascinating grand prix once again and uh, like i'm saying it was uh, of course <laughs> Very unpredictable. I mean, the, the the first lap with everybody trading paints, bumping into each other, uh, Kimi Raikkonen shunting poor Esteban Ocon into the corner. I don't know about you guys. Uh, the, the, the stewards ruled it was a racing instant equal to blame, no penalties handed out. I mean, in fairness, I mean... Esteban was a little bit in front of Kimi going into the corner, but he pulled over to the, uh, the the far side of the track, left the door wide open. And if you're Kimi Raikkonen, why are you not going to have a look? Why are you not going to try and stick your car up the inside of that corner? I mean, it, it looked like a little bit of uh, a wishful thinking on behalf of Kimi Raikkonen. Fortunately for Kimi, it uh, apart from... Uh, a broken front wing, which he he promptly had replaced. It didn't cause him too much damage. He was able to continue. He dropped all the way down. And well, I mean, Kimmy being Kimmy, you're never going to get uh, <laughs> anything other than the uh, the, the dry, the, the the very quiet, the very reserved reaction on the podium. But to finish where he did after all that was absolutely amazing. I don't think anybody. <laughs> expected Kimi Raikkonen to finish where he did. I mean, I, I think that was uh, obviously second position considering the weekend he had and some of the unfortunate uh, luck that he had. I think uh, he has to be extremely happy. I mean, he's had a couple of things, maybe not go 100% his way so far this year, but uh, a fantastic result for Kimi. But I mean, Lewis Hamilton, another guy. And I don't want to hate on Lewis, but uh, I, I mean, I love him. Great guy, great driver. I mean, four-time world champion. I mean, how can you argue with that? I mean, Lewis has been one of the most dominating drivers in recent times. Certainly the driver in the the, the V6 hybrid turbo era that's uh, been in, in play now for the past several years. So, I mean... To see Lewis not really dominating and and really on top of things like uh, we, we've come to expect over the course of, uh, well, certainly the past several years and for the, the majority of his uh, his career is definitely something that is a, a lot different and certainly takes a little bit uh, getting used to. 
And uh, Lewis himself said that he spent a little bit of time to commiserate with Valtteri Bottas. I mean, that, I mean, I, I, I still feel sorry for the guy. I mean, to have a race victory yanked away from you like that, literally on the, the very last uh, lap of the race. Hey, but that's uh, that's motor racing, that's Formula One. But I think it shows a, a certain amount of maturity that uh, I, I think Lewis realized that uh, he hasn't been at his best and that he's still coming to terms with, uh, with the new 2018 uh, Mercedes, the W09, and he's uh, said as much. But... I mean, I, th- I think that's a, a classy move, move uh, on the behalf of Lewis Hamilton. And just out of nowhere, he's kind of snuck right back up to the, the lead in the World Drivers Champion or Championship with 70 points, leading Sebastian Vettel, who... Uh, another guy that's had a bit of uh, bad luck. I mean, obviously, unfortunately, uh, we were busy last week and uh, were unable to record our thoughts on the the, the Chinese Grand Prix, but... That, I think, uh, just to, if we can circle back for a moment, was uh, definitely an avoidable incident in China. That, uh, that, that crash between Sebastian Vettel and Max Verstappen. Max deservedly uh, being reprimanded for that move. I mean, Max, another guy, an extremely exciting Formula One driver, an extremely talented racer. But that was never going to be a move that was going to stick. I mean, uh, you, you look at... Uh, Look at his teammate, Danny Ricardo, the guy that's kind of really mastered the art of uh, late breaking and and really being able to make these overtaking maneuvers because that was a, a fantastic finish to that race uh, in China. And Danny Rick, uh, definitely full value for money to win that one. And sadly for Max, that was uh, not only a situation where he ended up getting reprimanded, but also it uh, it was uh, a situation that uh, forced Vettel down the order, and uh, of course uh, he was uh, <laughs> didn't uh, didn't get the full points that uh, he probably could have. Obviously, he would have been one of the favorites to win that race. Uh, and, uh, of course that, uh, didn't happen. And, uh, now that's coming to coming back to a certain degree to, to haunt him. But I mean, he's only four points behind Lewis in the world championship, 17 races still to go. I mean, come on, it's May 1st today when, uh, when most of you guys are going to be listening to this program, this season is still going all the way to the end of this year. Abu Dhabi is not until the 25th of November. I mean, that's still like what? six months away there is a lot of racing between now and then and uh seb himself has said that he's not really uh too concerned uh, about uh what's happened in the past two races i mean he's still got fourth place in azerbaijan not the end of the world and hey you know we, we have sat here uh myself especially i've been very critical about the the, the lack of uh, passing in formula one but for some reason that uh, that track at uh, at baku city seems to really work and uh you know you get that awesome long straight away and uh, you see guys going for it right at the end and I mean why not if you're Sebastian Vettel you saw an opportunity you tried to outbreak Valtteri Bottas into the first corner he didn't make it stick unfortunately and uh, just with the pack being uh, fairly close together coming off of that final safety car period uh, Seb obviously came off a little bit worse to wear but that, that's that been one of my criticisms I mean of course uh, you have these force fields around these cars with the aero effect that makes it very difficult for, for cars to get close to one another and to pass but the combination of that long straightaway and DRS, uh, it, it works there for some reason. 
And uh, all credit for Vettel for for trying to make the move. And hey, this time it didn't work, but who knows, maybe next time it will. But we did see certainly plenty of overtaking on that uh, that straightaway, not just uh, this year, but last year. Obviously, Botas uh, made that move uh, to to overtake Lance Stroll last year to uh, secure second position in that race and uh, just uh, pipped Lance to uh, the the finish line uh, to get on the second step of the podium. Uh, Of course, that was a, a race that was kind of turned on its head last year in that very dramatic safety car period when uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, was very, very convinced that uh, Lewis Hamilton brake tested him and then did that bizarre thing where he pulled around and then intentionally collided with Lewis Hamilton and was obviously, I I think, (laughs) a situation I can't recall seeing, not in the modern era of Formula One at, uh, at any rate. And just kind of going back to what I was saying a little bit earlier, that uh, it's a moment like that that has really made Baku really grow on me over the past couple of years. It's been unpredictable, and uh, the, the safety card periods really make for an interesting, interesting time. But let's talk uh, about the big big talking point from the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Obviously, it was the final safety car period that, uh, that that came into effect several laps from the end of the race when Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen going into turn one collided with one another and breaking the number one rule. There's there's two rules in Formula One. Number Rule number one, don't crash into your teammate. Rule number two, if uncertain about rule number one, go back and read reread rule number one. And the stewards decided that uh, they were both equally at fault. Nicky Lauda came out. Uh, he had uh, a little bit more to say. He said that uh, he thought it was 70-30, more of uh, Max Verstappen's fault. Christian Horner, team principal at Red Bull Racing, was just super pissed off with both of them, said that they're both in the in the doghouse. They've both been summoned back to the, ca- the, the, the Red Bull factory to apologize to everyone uh, before the next race in, in Barcelona in a couple of weeks' time. And apparently they had actually discussed the possibility of a, a collision before the race. Certainly there was a, an incident earlier in the race when uh, Ricardo was trying to pass Max again into turn one. He, uh, he did make a, uh, he did get around him, but uh, went a little bit deep into that corner. And then Max, of course, he, and I don't know about you guys, but I thought I had flashbacks of Hungary 2017. Max locked it up a little bit. He sort of drifted out to, to the uh, to, to the right side of the track. Ricardo coming back after running a little bit wide. They bumped a little bit of smoke off of the tires. But I I had almost a flashback of uh, Verstappen doing what he did in Hungary last year and then putting his uh, right front wheel through uh, Danny Ricardo's uh, radiator. But uh, it didn't happen that time. However, I, I mean you got to be furious if you're a Christian Horner. I mean, you had both of your cars running very, very well. And then uh, in a flash, uh, they're, they're both out. And uh, for, for those of you who didn't see it, and uh, how could you not at this point in time? I mean, that replay is all over the place now. If you go to F1.com, the official Formula One website, they have uh, an article up that has, <laughs> I think, every available camera angle showing that accident uh, between the two. And uh, Verstappen makes two uh, minor moves. Uh, Ricardo threw a dummy and uh, Max made a little flick to the right and then to the left. Uh, Ricardo, I think, uh, maybe was expecting both of those. However, I think he was uh, had more eyes uh, directly on the car in front of him, that being Max Verstappen, than perhaps maybe where he was on the track and uh, left his braking too late. 
late. Uh, as we know, as I said a little uh, earlier, that uh, Ricardo is one of these guys that uh, has has mastered the art of late braking to get around cars, and this time it uh, it came back uh, to bite him. So, uh, Ricardo, I think that obviously took a bit of the wind out of his sails. I mean, he's been flying high after uh, winning that race in China a couple of weeks ago. I mean, his name's been tossed out there with... Um, possibly a move to Mercedes or Ferrari next year or possibly staying with Red Bull in uh, in uh, in 2019 and beyond and uh, for a guy that uh, can win a race without being on the front row of uh, the grid why wouldn't you want him if uh, you're any one of those top 3 teams and and honestly if you're Ricardo where else are you going to do are you going to go uh Red Bull apparently has uh, already started discussions with uh, with Honda of uh, all uh, manufacturers if uh, this is to be uh, be believed uh about uh, securing power units for 2019 and well at least for the next couple of years of course everything is still up in the air and uncertain after the current uh, set of regulations expires in 2020 still don't really know what 2021 is going to look like even though uh, Ross Braun has come out uh, from the uh, the Formula 1 side the management side to outline what uh, what they think would be uh, a good set of uh, of regulations and rules moving forward. So who knows? Very interesting. Certainly, uh, we've seen with the the Red Bull Junior team, Toro Rosso. They've had some uh, some promising results. Obviously, Pierre Gasly uh, getting a P four in Bahrain about a month ago, an amazing result. Uh, and the thing was that didn't just seem like a fluke at the time. Uh, obviously, he was strong all weekend, so full value for money. Hasn't been able to to recreate that since in China. And uh, well, Baku kind of flipped around, although he was running fairly decently at uh, at one point in the race. Had a clash with Kevin Magnussen right at the very end of the race. So I think that uh, Gasly's uh, results, uh, where he finished up at uh, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, way down in. Let's take a look. And where was it? <laughs> way all the way down in 12th uh, position so you know not really what uh, what we come to expect uh, from from Gasly but uh, you know promising uh, nonetheless even though maybe the final result uh, doesn't really reflect it and then his teammate Brendan Hartley scoring a single point for coming home in uh, P10 so not a bad uh, result uh, for him but uh, it it looks like Honda slowly but surely is getting things uh, figured out and when they returned in 2015 with McLaren, we all know the drama. We we all know that uh, that that sad sad story and just how crazy that all all was and how that worked out. And and uh, obviously, I think that was a a good move. And uh, if you're Red Bull, you've got uh, the 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 Renault uh, or the the Tag Hauer branded Renault engine, those power units, and they've never really been able to recreate the magic that uh, that Renault Red Bull partnership had prior to the turbo era in uh, starting in 2014 and you can see why they've been frustrated it's just uh, even i think going back to 2014 um, red bull and christian horner weren't happy with the the, the power that uh, Renault was supplying them and that uh, would not be a big surprise if they were to to find a new an alternative power su- uh, power supplier or engine supplier i should say but honda definitely uh, seems like a bit of a, su- a surprise but it's no risk for them really i mean they could stick with Renault and it's basically a try before you buy. I mean, they're getting a lot of feedback, obviously, from Toro Rosso. So I would say that they're going into these uh, discussions with Honda with eyes wide open. 
But just uh, talking about uh, Renault themselves, you had to think that there was probably some some good feelings going around for the uh, for that French engine uh, engine manufacturer. When you looked earlier in the race, when you had the two Red Bulls and the two Renault Works cars fighting for it, and uh, it was it was really really interesting to see. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Nico Hulkenberg put it into the wall and uh, retired uh, in in the first. Uh, well, I'd say the first third, first quarter of the race, so that uh, was disappointing. But uh, Carlos Sainz, I think, uh, acquitted himself uh, very well and uh, actually came home in P5. So a, a very decent result uh, for Carlos Sainz. So very, very interesting. And of course, uh, the two McLarens, uh, Fernando Alonso, after that just unreal sort of sandwich that he got caught in at the beginning of the race with uh with uh Sergei Sorotkin and the Williams and then uh the aforementioned uh, Nico Hulkenberg ended up with two punctured tires front right front or sorry right rear managed to limp all the way back to the pits had a bit of damage to the floor still managed to bring it back in P7 fantastic results uh, for Fernando Alonso, I mean, P7 doesn't really seem all that flattering for a, a double world, world champion like Fernando. But hey, come on, the guy managed to get it around the second longest track in Formula One on two wheels with uh, bits of rubber flying off all over the place, uh, considering all the problems, all the disappointment, all the frustration that uh, McLaren went through over the past several years. I think that, uh, that that's, a, that's a great result for him and his uh, teammate Stoffel van Doren coming home in P9. So again, very, very decent result for them. And just one final note on Fernando, him getting that car all the way around like he did, I think it just goes to prove how good of a Formula One driver, just how good of a race car driver Fernando Alonso actually is. All right. Well, <laughs> where where do we go from here? Uh, definitely, uh, the, I guess, well, I, I think we should just maybe finish up that uh, the, the discussion with uh, the two Red Bull drivers, Danny Ricardo and Max Verstappen. And I don't know what it's like between them. And definitely, it doesn't seem like as cold and as toxic as, say, the, the last high-profile inter-teammate battle between Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg in those three or four years uh, just before uh, Rosberg uh, won his world championship and then retired in 2016. I mean, to say that the the relationship between those two guys was icy is probably a, a little bit of an understatement, but they had their comings uh, together, obviously, uh, at uh, at Barcelona 2016, and then in Spa, I believe, that was that 2014, 2015? No, I think it was 2014 when they, uh, when they came together on the first lap, and then... Uh, uh, Lewis picked up a puncture, dropped all the way back to the back of the field, had to limp all the way around basically an entire lap of uh, Spa, and that uh, basically ruined his afternoon. And uh, and and Mercedes basically had to sit down with both of them and had to the, and and basically say, "We're going to let you guys race, but if uh, things like this happen again, that uh, we will bring the law down on you guys, and if we have to fire one of you, then so be it." So will that uh, happen with uh, Max Verstappen and, and Daniel Ricciardo? Well, it, it's hard to say. I mean, they're they're both obviously very talented drivers, and you would think that uh, that reason and logic and uh, calmer attitudes, I guess you could say, are going to prevail at some points. But definitely, I think that uh, that Red Bull, I think that uh, Christian Horner and company 
have to set down some uh, rules of engagement and let them know what's what what's going to go and what's going to pass and uh, and and what is acceptable and what isn't. Just draw that line in the sand. Let those two guys know this is the deal. And if uh, there's a trans- transgression, if you step over that line, and if we have a repeat of uh, what what we had in China, then there are going to be uh, consequences uh, for that. And I think uh, that that's what you have to do. Uh, you know, you'd never really want to pull in, uh, I think one of your drivers, especially when they're, they're doing well, they're getting results. But again, you know, you just cannot run into your own teammate. You guys just can't take each other out and nullify what was a very, very promising uh, result for them. And of course, it drops them right down. So before I start wrapping this one up, let's just take a quick look at the uh, the Constructors' Championship. First place is Ferrari and first, uh, well, obviously first place is Ferrari in first place. Brought to you by the Department of Redundancy Department. <laughs> Ferrari on 114 points, only four points ahead of Mercedes with 110 Red Bull Racing, the next nearest team to challenge these two, and they are, well, they're miles back, literally. Third spot, 55 points, and fourth position in the Constructors' Championship, a very respectable 36 points for McLaren-Renault, and we'll see where they go. And then the Renault Works team themselves, only a single point behind McLaren with 35. So definitely Renault seems to be getting stronger and stronger each year, obviously after buying uh, the uh, or taking over the, uh, the the Lotus team a couple of years ago. They said it was uh, about a, a five-year mid, uh, mid-range project to get back to the top of Formula One. And we have seen those these slow incremental steps each and every year. After they've, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, taken over the Lotus team and uh, they are slowly moving that, uh, advancing, bringing the team forward. And you got to wonder where are they going to be next year and the year after? Are they going to be challenging for race victories and world championships? We'll wait and see, but it's looking good. Uh, definitely, it's uh, it's it's nice to see Renault there. Obviously, a team that has a lot of ties to Formula One and uh, has got the job done in the past. <clears throat> All right, so let's take a, a quick look at the uh, the World Drivers Championship, first place, as I mentioned earlier, Lewis Hamilton, the four-time world champion, is on top with 70 points, leading another four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, who is leading another former world champion, Kimi Raikkonen, who has uh, 48 points, Sebastian 66 points, Valtteri Bottas in fourth position with 40 points. I mean, obviously, it's going to be those guys, <laughs> the, the, the top four drivers, the top two teams. But Danny Rick, fifth position, 37 points, just a mere three points behind his rival, Valtteri Bottas. And then in sixth position, Fernando Alonso, the double world champion, 28 points on the season so far, so very, very decent. Seventh, eighth, and ninth, and tenth. First is uh, Nico Hulkenberg, seventh position, 22 points. Max Verstappen, eighth position, 18 points. Sergio Perez, who got third position, and congratulations to him for his finish in Baku. Ninth position, 15 points. And then Carlos Sainz rounds off the top 10 with 13 points. Anyways, you guys, I think that's a good place to leave it uh, for this uh, edition of Scuderia F1. The podcast is always up to speed with Formula One racing. I've managed to keep this going a lot longer than I originally thought. I thought, hey, you know, if I can get 15 minutes out of this myself, then I'm doing good. As it is, I'm pushing about almost half an hour. 
I always say that, uh, you know, when it's me and Kevin both doing the show, it ends up almost being 50-50. So if Kevin was here, we probably would have gotten a full hour by the time we got some more F1 news in, got some more analysis, more discussion. But hey, it is what it is. Anyhow, thank you very, very much for listening. If you want to keep up to date, uh, follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Mark JR Daily, and that is daily with an L-E-Y at the end. And if you want to follow Kevin, give him a follow at Kev Laramie on Twitter. Anyways, that's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you again this time next week. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com. Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?